Welcome, everyone, to the Ready for the Draft podcast. I am your host, Greg Schutz. This is episode 13 of the 2024 podcast series, where we take a look at the draft-eligible prospects and get you ready for the NFL draft. And this is the second episode dedicated to bowl season, taking a look at each one of the bowl games, finding the draft prospects that we need to make sure that we're paying attention to as we progress through each of the bowl games. And now, you know, the last podcast that we had was just a couple of days ago, and we recapped the first weekend of bowl games. Uh, you know, we made it all the way through from, from Ohio and Georgia Southern, all the way through uh, Texas Tech and Cal, and, uh, you know, there are a couple of additional bowl games that were kind of sprinkled in there uh, between then and now. One of those being the uh, famous Toastery Bowl between Western Kentucky and Old Dominion. Now, in, in that game, Malachi Corley was the, you know, I, I actually thought that he wasn't going to play. He did sit out the second half, uh, but Corley did get to play in that first half. And, I mean, when you see him out there on the field, he's 5'11", 210 pounds. He's built like a running back. He's so difficult to bring down. He'll, he'll look to run you over, can line up on the outside and in the slot. He's going to continue to drive through tackles for extra yards. Um, you know, he's a lot like Debo Samuel in that way. And, uh, you know, look, you know, 75 catches, over 900 yards, 11 touchdowns on the year. He's a guy that's going to be a day-two pick. And, uh, you know, Debo Samuel was a second-rounder. I think Malachi Corley has a good chance to be a second-rounder as well there for Western Kentucky. But the guy that really everyone, I think, was wanting to talk about uh, during this game, because obviously Austin Reed, he's out. Turner Helton started. Then you have Caden Veltkamp, who stepped in. Uh, over 380 yards and, and five touchdowns in the win, and uh, you know, but Dalvin Smith, 6'3", 188 pounds. He's only a redshirt junior, so there's a good chance that he'll he'll come back for another season. Um, just over a thousand yards in his career uh, was a tight end as a freshman, but this was a guy was who was making some highlight reel catches. Comes across the field, he was running like a, a drag route at about three yards, staying parallel to the line of scrimmage. Reaches up over his head with his right hand, just plucks it out of the air, secures it with one hand gets down the field for for the score. Uh, ran a skinny post, got behind the defense, easily plucking it for a, for a touchdown as well. Uh, you know, just uh, and a uh, you know his third touchdown of the game was a fade. Uh, runs up the field, able to get into the chest of the corner. Plants turns, opens up on the outside on the back shoulder throw. Reaches up with his right hand and just plucks it as the left hand is positioned against the DB. Uh, nine catches, 77 yards, and those three touchdowns. Uh, Dalvin Smith, the guy that I think everyone's going to start, you know, he, if, if he's not on your radar after a performance like that in the bowl game, he's definitely a guy that you're going to be keeping an eye on. And then uh, with, with Jason Henderson uh, being out for ODU, all focus had to be on Wayne Matthews, and I think, you know, he really elevated his game and, and you know, another 14 tackles, uh, half tackle for loss, pass breakup, um, over 100 tackles, 121 to be exact, eight and a half tackles for loss, two and a half sacks. This is a guy that comes downhill. He's going to meet you in the hole and, and drive you down the field. You know, I, I saw him turning and running on wheel routes with the running back, Davion Irvin Poindexter, um, you know, a guy that you know, showed off really nice athleticism, a guy that was also you know, right there at that goal line and was able to, to um Blitz right off the edge, get to Veltkamp, get a sack, fourth, force a fourth and goal at the 15-yard line. So, uh, you know, again, 6'2", 225, only a redshirt sophomore, but a guy 
that uh, I think we need to really be keeping an eye on. And then UTSA taking down Marshall, 35-17 in the Frisco Bowl. Uh, you know, a couple of underclassmen here at the quarterback position, sons of NFL quarterbacks. Uh, you know, Josh McCown's son, uh, Owen McCown, there for for the Roadrunners. Uh, you know, over 250 yards, and uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, 250 yards and, and a couple of touchdowns through a pick as well. And then Chad Pennington's son, Cole, 15 to 33, 258 yards in, in a losing effort there for the Thundering Herd. I think for UTSA, the guy that really jumped out was Joseph Cephas. I'm sorry, Joshua Cephas. Seven receptions, 102 yards, and that 6'3", 185 showcased um, – some some surprising speed i think deceptive speed if you will um you know a guy that was able to accelerate from uh, away from the defenders and get down the field um you know there was a, a quick screen that it, you know he gets a block on the inside and showcase that speed going down the field there like i said uh, 44 yard touchdown as well came across the formation makes a catch in the flat and then just showed the ability to take off down the field and eat up a lot of yards in a hurry with those long strides uh, unfortunately we didn't get to see frank's frank harris who really ha- you know put utsa on the map during his career there um you know with the shoulder injury he was out uh, marshall Rasheen Ali, he was the guy that I was talking about in the last podcast, and you know, once again, you know, he kind of set the stage there for uh, you know another big game. Nine catches, or I'm sorry, nine carries for 92 yards and a score. He did have 28 receptions in 2023. Didn't have any in the bowl game. Uh, this was a guy look over 1,400 yards and 23 touchdowns in 2021. Missed 10 games in 2022. Comes back at you know, Myrtle Beach Bowl MVP. And then over a thousand yards and 14 touchdowns yet again in 2023. But this is a guy who took the handoff, you know, uh, around edge, off tackle, then showed the speed in the open field to take it a distance for a 64-yard run. The burst and the ability to get down the field in a hurry. Six foot 201. Rasheen Ali is a guy to me. Keep an eye on him. He's a guy that uh, I think is going to end up rising up draft boards during the pre-draft process. And I thought, you know, there was nothing that he did in this game other than you know continue to showcase his ability to to make plays so um definitely uh was it was impressed with his play and uh you know at the end of the day though utsa was just a little bit too much um being able to, to get the ball into the end zone there and uh you know the, the battle of the nfl quarterback sons the edge and the bragging rights if you will go to luke mccown um so those are just kind of catching you up on some of the guys that I was keeping an eye on during the bowl games um, that have been playing out thus far. But now it's time to take a look at the previews. And I think really what we need to start with are the playoff games, right? First, you've got the uh, the Rose Bowl in Pasadena. Uh, First-ranked uh, Michigan Wolverines taking on Alabama. And, uh, you know, when Michigan's on offense, you're going to have J.J. McCarthy, um, you know, a guy that hasn't really been asked to be the guy. And that's really, I think, the biggest concern that I think everyone has with J.J. McCarthy is, is, is this guy going to uh, have, have, you know, it, can he rise to the occasion and be the guy that's going to um, lead his team to victory versus just a guy who's more of a game manager and allows the running game to really kind of uh, you know stir the drink. You know he was tenth in the Heisman voting this year, six three one ninety seven. Um, really a banner year for him. Seventy four percent completion percentage, over twenty six hundred yards, nineteen touchdowns, just four interceptions. Uh, tremendous arm, 
Um, you know, you love the arm talent, his ability to make the throws to all three levels of the field, um, accuracy, pushing the football down the field. Um, you know, I think, you know, there are some, you know, he gets himself into trouble at times, especially when he's on the move. Uh, you know, that's one of the big areas of concern that you have with him. And really, you know, if Michigan is down, that's going to be the biggest thing. You know, can J.J. McCarthy continue to will this team and, and put the team on his back and lead him to victory? That's going to be a big question mark. Uh, you know, Blake Corum, the running back. You know, I think Corum is a guy who's you know he's got a nose for the end zone, but you know, really, what I want to see is can Blake Corum really showcase that form of you know, the, the lateral agility, his ability to make guys miss in the hole, and then burst of speed, and then run you over to finish his runs. That's really what I'm looking for from him. 5'8", 212. Uh, you know, and look, you know, this is going to be a stout Alabama defense that he's going up against, you know, especially against the run. Uh, Deontay Lawson, Tresman Marshall, they're at the running, at the linebacker position. Those are going to be guys you know, patrolling the middle of that defense, and you really want to see what, what Corum and company can do. That offensive line, again, without Zach Zinter, broke his leg. Um, kind of a nasty injury, but a guy that, you know, it, it, he should be returning to to full full health um in time for you know an nfl training camp and a guy that i think is probably the fourth best guard in this year's draft but uh, you know you have trevor keegan there at the left guard spot um you know, Ladarius Henderson is a guy that I think struggles with speed. We saw that against Penn State, Chop Robinson. So that's one of the things that I think what you're going to see is, is if Dallas Turner, Chris Braswell can have success coming off the edge and getting to J.J. McCarthy in a hurry, much like they did against Penn State, more ball control, more running the football. And that's where a guy like Justin Boigby, uh, there at that defensive end position, he's going to have to have a big game, being able to hold the point of attack shed blocks and, and be disruptive around the line of scrimmage against that run game. Um, you know, I, I, I think that's going to be a, a huge key for uh, for Bama. You know, really put a lot of pressure um, on that offensive line, rushing the passer. Um, you know, Drake Nugent does a really good job there up the middle, but uh, you know, I, I think that speed coming off the edge. We've already seen what happens um, and what Michigan does to adjust to that. But if they start getting down, if Jalen Milleroy starts working his magic, uh, when he gets hot and that Bama offense really gets moving, you know, what is Michigan going to do to respond? Um, I, I think in the secondary, Kool-Aid McKinstry, you know, he was he was injured in the game, but it sounds like he'll probably, uh, in the SEC championship, he should be back. And, and McKinstry is, is just, he's a, he's a smooth, polished corner on the outside. You figure he'll be matched up with, with Roman Wilson quite often. Terion Arnold is a guy, look, this guy, he's he's physical, um, you know, he, he has, he's versatile. I think he can play in the safety spot. He can play in the slot if you if you want him to. But, you know, he's a, he's a guy on the outside. He just needs to trust his technique. Way too grabby, way too handsy. That's going to be a big issue. I think he has a chance to be, uh, you know, CB1 in this draft if he weren't so grabby and so handsy. I think because of that, that could send him down uh, the, the draft boards just a little bit. But definitely, you know, they've got two stellar standout corners. The big key, I think, for Michigan is going to be, you know, involving Colston Loveland, the tight end. He's going to be, uh, you know, one of the top tight ends in next year's draft. Keep an eye out for him. What happens there, that's really going to be an interesting 
interesting guy to to potentially target um, at some point in the, in the early in the draft. But he'll be a weapon up the seam. Who's going to be matched up with him? That's going to be a big question mark. Is it going to be one of the young safeties uh, like like Caleb Downs, uh, Malachi Moore? You know, a guy that, that we could be seeing um, at some point in, on day three in this draft. A guy that is versatile, can play safety, can play the nickel, plays a lot of different positions. He might be the guy that's tasked with matching up with Colson Loveland. And then when Bama has the ball, Jason McClellan you know, was injured in the SEC championship. Is he going to be back? Is it going to be Roy Dale Williams that's going to be carrying the bulk of the load? Um, that's that's a huge question mark, right? Um, you know, with with Bama, can they continue to, to run the football? You saw what Bama was able to do though against Georgia. Um, you know, Jalen Milrow, thirteen to twenty-three. You know, so the completion percentage just wasn't there. One hundred ninety-two yards and two touchdowns. Big plays um, really showcased. You know what what was happening. You know there with Bama. That's you know when when you needed uh, Milrow to, to complete a pass down the field, you were getting that from him. Michigan is a team that you know they, they play sound team defense. You know that's going to be I think a key for them. Who's going to be covering Jermaine Burton? Jermaine Burton is one of those guys who just always seems to get open at the right time. Uh, Mikey Sainer still look. You know he in the in the Big Ten championship had two sack uh, two two tackles a sack two forced fumbles a pass breakup quarterback hurry. Sainer still does a little bit of everything. You know if you'll remember when he when he started there at Michigan and I swear it feels like he's been there for the better better part of a decade. Um, but when I think about Mikey, you know this is a guy who started his career as a receiver. Uh, you know, he's only 5'10", 182 pounds, but, uh, you know, look, you know, he proved that he could play on the outside. You know, he's a nickel. He can play safety if you need him to. He's going to come downhill in a hurry. You know, he's going to play in the box. He's going to get physical when you need him to. Um, you know, and you just you love his, his instincts. You love his ability to, you know, his blitzing coming off the edge. He timed the blitzes per- perfectly getting to Deacon Hill. He's going to be, I, I think, a, a key performer there on that defense, you know, patrolling the, uh, you know, as, as that additional defender out there. You know, is Will Johnson going to be back? That's going to be a big question mark. If not, then I think Samer still against Burton is going to be a matchup to watch. And then that's ultimately going to force... I, I think with uh, Bama, you know, Isaiah Bond, uh, Kobe Prentice, some of those other receivers to step up and make plays, they're just inconsistent with that. So I, I think that's going to be a huge key for Michigan. Um, you know, I look at J.C. Latham. He, uh, J.C. Latham is is the, the right tackle that is so strong at the point of attack. I think he may be the strongest and most physical of the offensive linemen in this year's draft. And, uh, you know, I've... I've struggled with with him at times because I feel like you know he, he seemed bored at times, and you know he just didn't always move his feet. He wanted to overpower guys at the point of attack, but then when you see what he can do when he's actually locked in and dialed in, you, know, you see the knee bend, you see the effortless ability to move laterally, and then just the physicality though, you know, and the strength, his power at the point of attack. He just shoves guys around, drives guys, you know, four or five, six yards down the field. Um, you know he's going to go up against you know some physical guys you know uh, you know in their own right. Braden McGregor, a guy that can hold the point of attack. You know uh, J- uh, Jalen Harrell uh, coming off the edge as an edge rusher. I think he'll probably be uh, giving fits to Caden Proctor, the left tackle. I really want to see Chris Jenkins uh, you know have a big game. You know I think Chris Jenkins is one of those guys at the defensive tackle position. Probably you know could very well be a day two pick. He's just not a flashy guy. You know, he's not flashy at all, but he's very athletic and a guy that I think, 
you know, could he be a day two guy? I, I just there isn't enough production from him, I think, to really warrant a day two pick. I think you know fourth round probably feels right, but I think he's a guy that could be a uh, you know thirty four you know a, a five five technique in a thirty four defense could also be a defensive tackle like Michigan has in the forty three. Um, Junior Colson's going to have to have a big game, the linebacker, um, hundred tackle guy, uh, and a guy that flies around to the football. Um, very heady player, intelligent guy, 6'3", 247 pounds. He's a guy that I think you know teams are going to be trying to key in on, uh, you know, throughout the season. And you know, Bama's going to be no exception. Uh, Rod Moore, another guy that I'm expecting to have a big game. I think he and Sanders still on the back end of that defense, especially if Will Johnson isn't able to go. Um, that's going to be the big, you know, another big key. At the end of the day, um, you know, it's. Michigan is going to have to be able to throw the football a little bit. I worry about the the, the passing attack there or, or lack lack thereof. Um, if you've got the edge rushers coming off off the edge, but look, you know, they were able to pivot. They were able to change things up when Penn State was able to rush off the edge. The difference is, is I think that that offense. Like what what can they do to disrupt Jalen Milrow? I think Milrow. You know, he, he's made some big plays. You know, it's mostly the splash plays, big plays. Michigan's very disciplined on defense. I think Michigan ends up getting it done. I've gone back and forth with this, but I think at the end of the day, Michigan ends up winning this game. It's going to be close, but I think Michigan ends up pulling pulling out the victory because they don't give up any of those big plays, because they're able to control the football with that ground game. That's going to be a, a big key and, and something that I think we'll have to continue to keep an eye on. You know, I thought Kendall Milton and, and Dijon Edwards, you know, when they got going against Bama, um, that was really where Georgia was really able to get, get a lot of momentum going and generate a lot of that, uh, that, that move in the football. Then you've got, after that, um, you know, if that game wasn't enough, um, you also have the Sugar Bowl with Washington and Texas. Now we've got the, you know, the two quarterbacks, right? Uh, you're going to have Michael Penix Jr. against Quinn Ewers. And Penix Jr., we already know, you know, we've talked about it at length. You know, the big arm, his ability to throw the football down the field with just a flick of a wrist um, to the wide side of the field uh, on a line, 45-plus yards, and uh, hit guys in stride. Uh, the footwork is still pretty sloppy because he's able to do so much with that upper body. Um, is he mobile? Sure, he's mobile in the pocket, but you worry again about the knee injury. Um, you know, I don't know that he's the most mobile guy. You know, I, I think there's enough there, um, especially when you look at Texas's defense. You know, that D-line, you know, uh, Tavondre Sweat, Byron Murphy up the middle. You know, then you're going to have Byron, uh, Baron Sorrell and, and Anthony Hill coming off the edge with, with Jalen Ford looking to, to uh, shoot the A-gap. Um, you know, you've got some, some athleticism. You've got some guys that are going to really try to wreak some havoc. Um, that offensive line has been a key for him, kept him upright. That's going to be, I, I think, one of the things that, that is going to uh, surprise Texas, I think, is, is how good that offensive line is. Um, you know, Troy Fatanu, um, first-round pick, had, you know, written all over him, right? You know, at left tackle, probably be a Pro Bowl guard, you know, if he, if he wants to. I, I think ultimately that's where he should be. He's my number one guard. And, uh, you know, I, I look at where his matchup, you know, he'll be going up against the likes of, of Baron Sorrell. Sorrell is a guy that's kind of had an up and down season, not very consistent. And uh, I think that Fatano can, can basically take him out of the game. So that's going to be a big, 
big thing is is that the linebackers are going to have to step up and make plays. The good news about my, you know, about that for Washington is Dylan Johnson's a good pass protector. Dylan Johnson's one of those guys who I thought you know was a fringe day three guy uh, at Mississippi State. He shows up at Washington, and all you had to do was just watch that USC game and, and say, "This is a dude that belongs." at the next level the physicality with which he runs you know, six foot 215 contact balance just runs through runs through anybody i mean that sc game uh 26 carries 256 yards and four touchdowns you know granted that was against uh you know uh, an alex grinch led defense but still uh, you know it was one of those things to where you know pretty impressive performance overall over a thousand yards you know uh this past season as the bell cow you know he, he never got more than 89 carries uh, in Starkville. Shows up in Seattle, 201 carries, and uh, pretty consistent. You know, at a 5.5 yards per carry, that's really what you see from him. Uh, and then the 14 touchdowns. Here's the thing: 168 receptions in his career. Only had to ha- catch the ball 19 because of all the receivers that Washington has. Um, but a guy at, at Mississippi State, 149 receptions running in that. Uh, uh, in that air raid offense of Mike Leach, uh, the late great Mike Leach, the pirate, rest in peace. Um, but you know, when I look at Washington, the physicality there and being able to you know eat up yards you know when needed, you know the big key is going to be can can the interior of that line. If there is a weakness, it's the interior of that line, and that's really where the strength of Texas's defense is. You know you've got Devondre Sweat, you know at 360 pounds, this dude is uh you know what the outland trophy award winner for the the top interior lineman and uh, he's so quick off the football you know to go along with the fact that he is so strong and so physical at the point of attack you just can't move him off the point byron murphy though is a guy that i think you know could end up getting drafted even higher than uh devondre sweat uh very athletic you see you know the quick arm overs you see the lateral cuts um coming off the football and uh, a guy that you know is going to make a lot of plays, you know, right around the line of scrimmage. So, the the two of them really need to be active there against uh, Dylan Johnson. I think Jalen Ford's the other guy, number forty-one, the middle linebacker. Um, this is a guy that I've been high on um, the last couple of years. And at uh, 6'2", 221, um, had 119 tackles a season ago, four interceptions as well. Uh, look, you know, 20 and a half tackles for loss, three sacks in the, the last two years, had 91 tackles this past season, another two interceptions, uh, four pass breakups in the last two years as well. This is a guy, he's just an intelligent player. Um, he's not going to be flashy. He's not going to be a guy that's going to set the world on fire at the combine, but a guy that is just, he's instinctive. He always seems to be around the football. He can make plays sideline to sideline. He can drop into coverage. To me, he's a three-down linebacker. I think he has to have a big day. Yeah, I really do. Uh, you know, he's, he's got to be able to, to really focus on that run and then be able to, you know, ultimately, if, if, you know, if they're one-dimensional still, you've got Michael Penix Jr., you've got three top-end wide receivers, but at least, you know, that takes away Dylan Johnson running the football, if you can shut that down, which is easier said than done. Than done. But then you've got Romo Dunze, who to me is a top-ten pick. You know, this is a guy who has tremendous body control, um, the route running ability, and then the vertical speed. Guy can do a little bit of everything. Then you've got Jalen Polk on the outside, who's an underrated receiver, and then Jalen McMillan there uh, in, in the slot. 
those three receivers. Um, you know, what's the the health status of, of Ryan Watts? Is he going to be playing? Probably doesn't look like it. Although, you know, there's still time. Uh, Malik Muhammad. You got Terrence Brooks, uh, Michael Taafe, uh, You know, Jaron Thompson on the back end there. You know, these are going to be guys that are going to have to step up in a big way. You know, Keaton Crawford, uh, Morris Blackwell, Gavin Holmes. Uh, you're going to have to throw a lot of guys at this uh, at this offense, and that's going to be the, the, the big question mark is are, are they going to be able to do that? I just don't know that they are able to, that they have enough to deal with that firepower. Now, here's the thing. When Texas is on, on, you know, has the football, Quinn Ewers had one of his best games against Oklahoma State in that Big 12 championship. Uh, you know, he went 35 of 46, 452 yards, four touchdowns on the day, just one interception. And Quinn Ewers, look, we know that he's going to be coming back for one more year there at Texas. I, I think there's no question that, you know, there's there's no reason for him to come out, um, especially after the, the injury that uh, plagued, uh, plagued him during the season. When you look at Quinn Ewers, um, you know, his ability to throw the deep ball with accuracy, um, you know, the, the corners there for, for, for Washington are really going to have to step up and make plays. Um, you know, so you're talking about Jabbar Muhammad. Jabbar Muhammad is a guy who I thought, you know, he, the transfer from Oklahoma State, this is a guy who I think has really made a name for himself on the outside as a lockdown corner. 5'10", 183 pounds. A guy that's probably going to line up in the slot. Um, you know, fooled Bo Nix on a couple of plays. Um, very intelligent player. Um, good body control. Um, you know, there was a, a sluggo that, that, that Troy Franklin ran. You know, he comes down, but able to, to get back outside. Extends into the wide receiver on the outside, but didn't impede him. And uh, ultimately called for a defensive pass interference, but you know looked like it was really a solid play. Um, but you know this is a guy that that is a lockdown, shutdown corner on the outside. He's going to have to have a big day. I think Elijah Jackson, Thaddeus Dixon, are a couple of guys that are also going to have to step up and play well. Uh, you know, Michelle Paul, uh, Powell, Asa Turner. Uh, you know at the you know, at the nickel and safety spots, I think Dominique Hampton uh, also going to have to have a big day. You know, be very physical and uh, and get after the, the Texas receivers because you know Adonai Mitchell, uh, you know, six catches, 109 yards, and a touchdown against Oklahoma State. You know, he's a tall guy, really good speed, 6'4", 185, tremendous wingspan and and the, the catch radius. But then his ability to sink his hips with the route running ability. He's a guy that's a fringe first rounder, maybe an early day two guy. Um, he's going to present some problems, you know, for for that uh, that secondary. And then Xavier Worthy, you know, he was seen on crutches during the Big 12 championship, but there's a good chance that he will make it back for the Sugar Bowl. Uh, you know, this is a speedy dude, six three. Uh, uh, Six receptions, 86 yards in that game against Oklahoma State. But, uh, you know, he's 6'1", I want to say about 180. And uh, a guy that just seems to find, you know, has a nose for the end zone, very shifty. Uh, the speed on the outside, a guy that's going to be a threat to go the distance on any play. And then Jatavion Sanders, the, the tight end. Now, this is a guy, you know, against uh, Oklahoma State, eight catches for 105 yards and a score. Um, He's, you know, who's going to line up against him? It's going to be a big question mark. It's probably going to be Hampton. It's probably going to be Powell. Um, he's got the size mismatch there. And, uh, you know, what you love with, with Sanders is the ability to make plays after the catch. I, I think he's still a work in progress as a blocker. Um, but uh, he's not overly powerful, but definitely a guy that can make plays. You get the ball in his hands. He's going to be dynamic, stretching the field up the seam. 
when I look at this team, you know, uh, you know, Washington putting pressure on the quarterback. You're gonna have Zion Tupuola Fatui. You know, I think he's a day three guy. You know, right now for me. Um, but I look at Braylon Trice, number eight, dude. Never, he's got a motor that never stops. He's always working to the quarterback, speed to power. Uh, when you look at the uh, the pressures, you know, he's second. You know, I actually is he first or second in uh, in pressures with uh, Leatu Latu. You know, he's right there. You know, he, he doesn't have the sack total that uh, Latu has, but you know, the the motor is always running. You know, I think he, he needs to vary up his, his rush moves a little bit, the rush arsenals, to be able to get to the quarterback a lot quicker. Um, but look, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, just the sack totals. You know, if you can put pressure on the quarterback, if you can hit him, if you can make him uncomfortable, move him off his spot, and that's where quarterbacks can start making mistakes. And I think that's where, you know, Braylon Trice, you know, attacking Kelvin Banks Jr., who has a chance to be a first-rounder, uh, Christian Jones, I think his... Um, the physicality with which he plays, he can bend a little bit. Um, a, a guy who, you know, he can also set the edge against the run. So when C.J. Baxter, they're looking to try to get him going in the run game, or uh, you know, Keelan Robinson, Jaden Blue, they've got a lot of speed at the running back position. Um, so that's going to be a key is being able to set the edge and then letting uh, you know Edifon uh, Olafosho, the inside linebacker, really flow and make plays, um, you know, on the middle of the defense. I think Washington gets it done against Texas. I really do. Um, you know, for all the reasons that I've talked about, you know, I think they're going to be able to, you know, make Quinn, uh, Quinn Ewers uncomfortable. I think ultimately what you're going to see is, you know, a, a defense that's going to be opportunistic. I think they're going to be physical. And we saw that against Oregon, you know, the physicality and the ability to make, make those tackles in the open field so that they could make plays after the catch. Texas, they're going to want to run after catch, whether it's Sanders, whether it's uh, Worthy, Jordan Whittington, you know, loves to run those crossing routes and uh, you know, be physical coming across the field. Adnai Mitchell, you know, he, he's a speedster, but if you know, if they can't get going because you're right on top of them right after the catch, then that's going to really obviously bode well for Washington. I think at the end of the day, we're going to see Washington get it done. It'll be Washington and Michigan in, in the in the championship. So then. Let's take a look at the group of, uh, I'm sorry, the uh, New Year's Six Bowls. You know, let's take a look at the rest of these bowl games, and then we'll go ahead and kind of work our way um, you know, back to front. Um, when you look at Oregon and Liberty, you know, Oregon, we already know that, uh, that Bucky Irving has opted out. Um, they're, they're running back, a guy who I think is a, a top five running back in this year's draft, a guy who uh, can catch the football on the outside. You know, you love the shiftiness, his ability to break tackles. Uh, you know, Jackson Powers Johnson, the center, um, you know, 829 snaps uh, this past season. He's a physical dude, but he's also athletic. He can climb to the second level. He's going to drive you down the field. He's got a great personality to boot. And, uh, you know, I, I think... You know, and then, you know, the question really is, is Bo Nix, you know, he said he's going to play in the game in the Fiesta Bowl. That's going to be a big question mark. That's somebody that, you know, I'm looking forward to see play, um, you know, see what he can do against Liberty. Um, I, I think ultimately Oregon's going to end up winning this game going away. Um, you know, the question will be, you know, will Troy Franklin play? You know, I, you know will Brandon Dorless play? Uh, you know, when I look at Dorless, this is a guy who, you know, the physicality, um, you know, the, his, especially with his hands. I think, you know, this would be a really nice, um, you know, five technique. You know, he, he's he, he's a guy that you know is versatile though, so he can also play in an even man front on, on the interior of the line as well. Um, 
know, this is a it, it's an interesting group. Um, you know, Troy Franklin, uh, the speedster, uh, on the outside, he's one of those fringe first round, uh, you know, possible second round type of receiver. Um, so he's an interesting guy as well. When I look at Liberty, Caden Salter, the quarterback. You know, you're going to see athleticism. You're going to see, uh, you know, some decent arm talent. I, I think C.J. Daniels' receiver there on the outside is going to be the number one target with, with Kyrie Jackson opting out to make himself eligible for the draft as well. Um, you know, then the question really is going to be, you know, and then uh, Bridges, one of the other corners, he's in the transfer portal. So you know, is it going to be Dante Manning? I think C.J. Daniels is going to have a big day. 6'2", 200 pounds. Uh, redshirt junior, but a guy that can make plays on the outside. Like I said, seven catches, 157 yards. He's a guy that can make plays out there. Um, you know, that that was against uh, New Mexico State in the Conference USA Championship game. Um, so that's that's going to be the, the the key matchup for me to really watch when Liberty has the football. But I still think Oregon, you know, is going to win going away. I think that defense is just going to struggle with the the talent level there. Um, on the other side of the football there for the Ducks. When we move on from there, you've got, uh, what, the Citrus Bowl, and that's going to take, you know, Pitt, uh, number 17, Iowa, and number 21, Tennessee. Uh, when I look at, at Iowa, you know, obviously, Cooper DeGene, you know, the season-ending injury in, in Week 11, that was huge. Losing him, um, you know, it was... He's really the the guy that kind of stirred the drink on the on the defensive side of the football for the Hawkeyes, and a guy that you know was just so much fun to watch. I think he'll ultimately be a safety at the next level, and uh, you know he's my you know will be my number one safety. I haven't changed my uh, my rankings yet, but I think I am going to move him to safety, and you know that's where uh, you know the ball hawk uh, you know ability and, and his ability to play over the top. But uh, you know I look at Jay Higgins. Jay Higgins, you know he's replacing. Um, Jack Campbell and Jay Higgins is not the athlete that um, Jack Campbell is, but he's a hard-nosed inside linebacker, 6'2", 233, he's disciplined. Um, you know, when they played Michigan in the Big Ten Championship, met Blake Corum in the hole, wrapped him up, got low, wraps him up and drives him down. Had 141 tackles going into that game. Um, you know, the tight end, Colson Loveland, runs a crossing route, sitting in the middle of the defense, read J.J. McCarthy's eyes, drove on the tight end in a hurry, wraps him up immediately, no yak. Um, so he's a guy to keep an eye out for, for sure. And then Sebastian Castro, um, you know, an interesting guy. He's the nickelback. He's a guy that kind of flies around, makes a lot of different plays, you know, has, has a really wears a lot of hats. He's 5'11", 205. He's undersized, but, uh, you know, he's going to look to deliver a big hit. Uh, another guy who's a very you know sound tackler in the open field. He has the speed. Uh, hung with uh, Donovan Edwards on on a swing route, was able to kind of string him out to the sideline. Only you know ended up giving up a four, you know, just a short gain. Takes great angles to the football. So when I look at Iowa on the back end, those are a couple of the guys that I'm really looking forward to seeing play. Offensively, you know the question will be you know just how many how many first downs will Iowa even have? You know I think Tory Taylor. The uh, Ray Guy Award winner is going to play a, a pivotal role, you know, in uh, the success of uh, of the Iowa Hawkeyes. Just really being able to flip the flip the script, flip the uh, the field uh, on Tennessee. And when I look at Tennessee, obviously you've got Joe Milton, 
Uh, he's got a big arm, but accuracy is a, a big issue. Uh, you know, all he, all he throws is a fastball. You know, that's really going to be the big thing that you're going to see out of him. You know, can he dial the throws back? Um, that's that, that's huge. I, I think you know, Jalen Wright, the running back, he's opted out. Um, you know, there are a lot of injuries on on their side of the football. Um, you know, the question, you know, Tyler Barron, the edge rusher, he's actually in the transfer portal. Um, I think that'll be a nice get for whoever is able to pick him up. Um, Aaron Beasley in, in the middle of the defense. You know, this is a guy that's going to come downhill and look to to make some plays there. James Pierce, he, he's only a sophomore, but a uh, dynamic edge rusher. Um, offensively, uh, you know, without Brew McCoy, the physicality, you know, Ramel Keaton can be a vertical threat, but, you know, the drops worry you a bit. Um, you know, you're going to have Jabari Small now because Jalen Wright is, is sitting out. Jabari Small is going to be asked to really get the job done there, running the football. I think at the end of the day, you know, John Campbell, watch him there at left tackle. You know, I, you know, I want to see his matchup against Deontay Craig, who's an active defensive end. Um, you know, I think Campbell's a guy that um, could find himself drafted when it's all said and done. Um, but when I look at this game, I, I think Iowa's defense – is going to give Joe Milton fits. You know, having you know, if you had Jalen Wright, you know, not having him in the game, I think that's going to be a, a trouble spot there as well. Um, I just think that you know, moving Joe Milton around, the accuracy drops quite a bit. Um, you know, the touch throws just aren't there from Milton, and so I think at the end of the day, the Iowa Hawkeyes end up winning this game. Um, you know, but keep an eye on Joe Milton, how he plays in this bowl game. I, I think with his draft stock, you know, there, there are some big question marks there right now. So, um, you know, what's that going to look like? Um, LSU taking on Wisconsin in the ReliaQuest Bowl. This is an, an interesting matchup because the guys that I would tune in to watch, Braylon Allen, the running back, um, Jaden Daniels, the quarterback there at LSU, even Tanner Bordellini, the center there for Wisconsin. Those are the guys that I'd really want to tune in and watch, and they are all sitting out the bowl game. So, uh, Makai Wingo, you know, he suffered a season-ending injury in, in week eight, so we won't get to see him either. LSU, you know, Brian Thomas, Malik Neighbors, I don't know if they've said whether or not they're going to play. Um, I, I would expect both of them to sit out because those are both uh, first-round receivers, in my opinion. Um, you know, Malik Neighbors is going to be a top-ten pick, and uh, you know, I, I think Brian Thomas probably somewhere in the 20s, if I had to guess. Uh, Mason Smith, you know, I think everybody's waiting for him to start making plays, and uh, you know, I think this is going to be an opportunity for him to potentially do that on a big stage there against Wisconsin. Um, you know, that's a big question mark, though. Are, you know, what type of production are you going to get out of him? Um, you know, Omar Spates, I think everyone was counting on him having a big year coming out of you know, the, the play there at Oregon State. I just He hasn't really lived up to that. Harold Perkins, if they just turn him loose and let him, you know, instead of dropping him into coverage or expecting him to do a lot of those things, just let him get after the quarterback and do what he does. Uh, that's going to be uh, you know, a key there for LSU. But Wisconsin, when you... Ultimately, because I, I believe Ches Malusi is is out with an injury as well. I think he broke his leg. Um, I, I don't know. You know, Cade Yacomelli, is he going to be able to run the football? It was Tanner Mordecai going to be playing, or is it going to be Braden Locke? Um, you know, I just uh, Jack Nelson, the the junior uh, left tackle, he'll be a guy to keep an eye out for for sure. 
uh, a guy that I think has had an up and down year. He's had really, you know, the highs have been pretty high. The lows have been pretty low there at the left tackle spot. Um, and when I say that, you know, I thought he, he looked good against JT Tui uh, Moloau. Uh, power in his hands. Uh, ultimately threw him off his rush. And then, you know, the feet catching up with the hands and able to keep him in front and mirror him. Um, but he struggled with the speed of Ron Stone Jr. Uh, against Washington State. There's a guy, Ron Stone Jr. is a name to, to keep an eye out for. Um, you know, a guy who I, I want to say he was a six-year senior there at Washington State. So he was an older player. But, uh, man, active hands and very fast. And that speed really gave Jack Nelson problems. But when you got a guy like, you know, uh, Moloau, who's not nearly as fast as Ron Stone, um, you know, he was able to, to handle some of that, also got physical with, with Jack Sawyer, uh, got out on the edge, was waiting to meet him there, gets his hands on him, physical, drives him up the field. Um, so Jack Nelson's the guy that I think, um, you know, if he comes back for another year, really could help his draft stock as it is as it stands. I think he's a guy that, you know, is he going to be a, a, a day two pick? Probably not. Um, although... You could see as many as nine offensive tackles taken in round number one. I mean, it's crazy just how much depth there is. Because of that, that could push him down third, fourth round range right now. And then uh, uh, Muma Jong Meta, the, the linebacker, very active at that linebacker position, six foot, 240 pounds. This was a guy that at one point uh, they moved off the starting job, and uh, I thought he responded very well. So watching him. Uh, take on that LSU offense. Really the big key with this one. I, I think LSU ends up getting it done. I, I just think there's too much talent on both sides of the football. Um, you know, the one matchup that I would like to see is Ricardo Hallman, the redshirt sophomore, 5'10", 185 pounds. See if he could get up, you know, if either Malik Neighbors or Brian Thomas um, are playing in this game, I'd love to see what he could do uh, against both of those guys. Um, he's been a guy that's been a playmaker there on the outside, racking up the interceptions. So if we move to Saturday, December 30th, then you're looking at uh, Penn State, Ole Miss in the uh, Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, and uh, you know matchup uh, of teams that are in the top 11. Uh, you know when I look at this matchup. I think it's it's another interesting one, you know, that, that we're going to be seeing here because, um, you know, I think with with Penn State you've got Drew Aller, you've got uh, you know Nick Singleton running the football, and uh, you know Theo Johnson ha has opted out, Chop Robinson has opted out, but you know I want to see uh, you know Olaf Fashanu hasn't announced yet if he's going to going to play or not, um, but I would love to see him match up against some of the edge rushers there at Ole Miss. Uh, really nothing to prove at, at this point, but, uh, you know, Kalen King on the outside, you know, these guys are both potential first rounders, so I, I could easily see them opting out of this draft. Adisa Isaac is, is a day two guy there as an edge rusher for Penn State. Is he going to stick it out or not? That's going to be a huge question mark. Um, you know, when you look at Ole Miss, you've got Jackson Dart, you know, a, a promising quarterback, uh, started his career at USC. Um, what's that ultimately going to look like, you know, when he comes back next year, uh, being able to really get some of that momentum. Um, you know, you've got Quinchon Judkins as well, who's going to be one of the top running backs in next year's draft class. But if there's a receiver that could come out this year, and, you know, again, he could end up coming back is Trey Harris. 6-2-205, dynamic on the outside, uh, good catch radius as well, playmaker in space. Um, you know, you get him lined up there. You know, I'd love to see him against Kalen King. 
Um, it, you know, if I'm king, I'd want to sit there and showcase my ability against a guy like that. Um, so that'd be an interesting matchup for sure. Uh, I, I think moving on from there, we've got the Music City Bowl, Auburn and Maryland, and uh, you know, Auburn. You know, I think that you've got your quarterback now. That's really a, a big key, um, you know, because you've kicked around Robbie Ashford possibly as, as a quarterback. He's in the transfer portal. Your guy is, is Peyton Thorne. Um, so you've got him throwing the football. Um, you know, there are a lot of young guys on on. Uh, on both sides of the ball there for Auburn. I, I think if there is anybody that you really want to watch, it's going to be Jalen Simpson, the safety, the free safety. He's going to be a, a, a playmaker on the back end of the defense. Um, you know, really, you know, another guy that I feel like has been at Auburn for a long time, 6'1", 175, uh, fifth-year senior, and uh, four interceptions this past season, seven in his career, uh, just a nose for the football, instinctive, took one of them back to the house, um, Maryland, you know, Talia Tagovailoa is sitting out. You know, I think that's huge for them. Um, there are some other big names, you know, uh, Corey Dichester, tight end, Jayshon Bar uh, Barham, uh, that are entering the transfer portal. Uh, Barham, the linebacker. So I, I think Maryland is going to, especially the way that Auburn played against Bama in the Iron Bowl, I, I think there's a good chance we're going to be seeing um, Auburn with the win here. You know, obviously you've got Bo Braid, um, you know, Dante Trader at the safety positions, uh, Jaquan Shepard uh, at the corner spot. Though, uh, those three guys on the back end, you know, are going to make things tough for Peyton Thorne. Um, I just don't know how much you're, we're going to see from an offensive standpoint there with with Maryland. But with Bo Braid, he's, he's a top 10 safety in this year's draft class. 6'1", 201, uh, you know, 174 tackles in his career, three interceptions, 11 pass breakups. He's a physical player, a guy that, uh, you know, is instinctive, uh, makes makes the right reads, drives on the football in a hurry, good ball skills. Um, so he's definitely a guy to, to be on the lookout for, for sure, in that game. Uh, Orange Bowl, Florida State, you know, I think they feel like they've, they've been slighted. They're going up against Georgia. Um, Johnny Ben, or I'm sorry, Johnny Wilson, Jared Verse, they're both sitting out. Jared Verse to me is, is a, a lock as a first rounder. Johnny Wilson, though, um, you know, there's a lot of talent in the receiver uh, draft class this year. Johnny Wilson, I know he's 6'7, he's, he's got the height, he's a vertical threat, but the drops also worry me. You know, I love the catch radius. He makes some difficult catches, but he makes the easy ones just look. Uh, you know, you know, a lot more difficult than they should. So when I look at Johnny Wilson, you know, to me, I've got a, a day three grade on him right now. Um, would have loved to have seen him play in the bowl game you know, against, uh, you know, Kamari Lassiter, um, you know, and, and company there in the secondary. Keon Coleman, look, I, I would love to see what he could do again against Georgia's secondary. Um, you know, I don't think any of them have actually said anything that they are going to enter the enter the portal or that they're going to opt out or anything like that so i think that'd be a nice matchup you know keon coleman jaheem bell 
uh, you know, going up against that, that secondary. When, when Georgia has the football, obviously Carson Beck, you know, is he just a game manager? Or can he make plays on his own? That's really the big question mark for me. I've said that he's a game manager. Uh, really want to see him elevate his game. Want to see him do that there against a, a very tough Florida State defense. Um, you know, even if you take uh, Jared Burst out of that, you've got Braden Fisk. This, is, this dude plays with his hair on fire. He's physical at the point of attack. Very athletic for an interior lineman as well. Uh, and then I think the linebackers, you know, Kalen Deloach and, uh, and Tatum Bethune, they're undersized linebackers, but they fly around and make plays. Um, when I look at, at Georgia, you know, is Lab McConkie, you know, is, is he healthy enough to play? Is he going to decide to opt out? Brock Bowers is another one. He's battled that ankle injury. Amarius Mims, when he's healthy, he looks like a top 15 pick. Uh, but he hasn't been healthy. This is the guy that's you know, been limited in his action overall you know, at Georgia. So the question really is going to be, you know, do you take a guy without a whole lot of you know, actual playing experience? You know, when he has played, he's looked the part. But do you take a chance on that early in round number one? I just don't know that you do. Uh, Cedric Van Praan, being able to see him go up against uh, Braden Fisk would be a lot of fun. And then, you know, the flip side is your Stackhouse. I think he needs a, a big game to rebound from that, that Bama game where he, he kind of got pushed around at the point of attack. Again, if if Keon Coleman is is playing in this game, then I think Kamari Lasseter and Javon Bullard, those are two guys that should play. Same thing with J- uh, Jaheim Bell. If, if those guys, Coleman and Bell are playing, then Bullard and Lasseter, you know, as competitors, you want to see them play against each other. Uh, that's really a, a, a big game that I'm keeping an eye on. I'm hoping that we do see that uh, that matchup. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Now, Toledo and Wyoming in the Arizona Bowl. Daquan Finn entered the transfer portal, um, and, and so he won't be in this game. Uh, Vinny Scurry, their, their guard, he's another guy that I you know, was keeping an eye on. He's another guy that's uh, entered the portal, but uh, you know, Quinion Mitchell is a guy that I'm really keeping an eye on. To me, a lot of people think that he may be a day two guy. I think he's a day, you know, day one, you know, first round pick. I, I think there's no question about it. Six foot, 197 pounds. This is a guy, you know, look, six, six interceptions, 45 pass breakups in his career. Has a nose for the football. Drives on it quickly. Uh, you know, the click and close. You know, and and then the ability to uh, you know, make that play on the ball. You know, he can you know, press man, uh, off coverage, man to man zone. Uh, you name it. This is a guy that uh, you know excels in all areas. He can be physical when he needs to be. Uh, he's a guy that's going to drive on the football in a hurry. He looks to to make a play on the ball. The ball skills are evident. So Quinion Mitchell to me is going to be one of those those key players, key performers there for Toledo. The other guy that I that I'm curious to see play is, is Dallas Gant, the linebacker, six three two thirty five, very active. This guy he's a six year senior, played four years at Ohio State before transferring to Toledo. Um, 116 tackles last year, another 109 this year, 13 and a half tackles for loss between those two games with seven pass breakups. He's athletic. He's a guy that can play in space. Look for him to potentially challenge to be a late day three pick um, because of his ability to to do a lot of different things. And uh, I think this will be his last chance to be able to showcase that for uh, for NFL teams. You know, I'd be surprised if Quinion Mitchell plays. Um, but uh, I could definitely see 
Um, see something cooking up there for, for Dallas Gantt. And then Easton Gibbs for Wyoming. He's 6'2", 230 pounds. Um, he's only a junior, so there's a good chance he'll probably come back for one more year. I think that probably would behoove him to to come back to Laramie, um, but to the instincts. You know, back-to-back 100 tackle seasons, uh, 22 and a half tackles for loss, seven sacks in his career, nine pass breakups. Uh, you want this guy patrolling the middle of your defense. Um, you know, the, the question really is going to be for Toledo. You know, who's going to be the quarterback? Um, you know, because Andrew Peasley is is a, a veteran. You've got Harrison Whaley, the running back, um, there at at Wyoming. Toledo without Finn. You know, that's that's going to be your your big question mark. How how well will they be able to to move the football, throwing the football? Tucker Gleason. Uh, big question mark there, but you know you've got Penny Boone, the running back. He's the guy that'll be that we'll be talking about in next year's draft class. He's a big, big physical dude, 6'1", 245 pounds, transferred into Toledo from Maryland, or well, 1,400 yards on the ground and 15 touchdowns. A power back, uh, physical, uh, only 31 receptions in his career, so not a guy that you know is being asked to catch the football much. But that physicality is, is probably going to give Wyoming trouble. Uh, but I'd love to see Easton Gibbs and, and Penny Boom meeting each other in the hole and uh, watching that outcome. I think I'd, I'd tune in just to watch that matchup uh, as much as anything else at this point. Um, you know, if, then if you, you move to just one day up you know, prior to that, then you're looking at uh, the Friday, December 29th. I think the big game there is the Cotton Bowl Classic. Mizzou taking on Ohio State. And look, with the Buckeyes, Kyle McCord entered the, the, the transfer portal. He's going to Nebraska. You've got Julian Fleming in the transfer portal as well. Uh, Emeka Ibuka, uh, Jack Sawyer, Tyreek Will, uh, Williams, Denzel Burke, all not, uh, I'm sorry, all, they will all play in the game. Um, you know, Marvin Harrison is an opt-out um, candidate, you know, but he hasn't actually opted out just yet. You know, De- Devin Brown is going to be their quarterback. Uh, Tui Molowal, Michael Hall uh, haven't announced anything yet. You know, on the defensive side of the ball, uh, when I look at this group, you know, Travion Henderson, you know, he's already said that he's he's returning next season. I, I think that's that's a key there for Ohio State. Being able to run the football is is something that. Uh, you know, when he went down to injury, Ohio State really struggled, you know, moving the ball because they're a little bit more one-dimensional. Um, you know, obviously, um, you know, if Marvin Harrison and Emeka Ibuka play in this game, then you're going to get to see uh, really a great matchup on the outside with uh, Chris Abrams Drain, who I think is one of the better uh, nickels in in this year's draft class. And then you also have uh, Ennis Rakestraw. He's only a redshirt uh, junior, so he could come back for one more year. Six foot, 188 pounds. You know, he's got length. He's got ball skills. Those are the two guys to watch. I'd love to see that matchup with Ibuka and uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. going up against those two guys. Uh, you know, Tyron Hopper. You know, the, the, that's that's a guy for that defense. He's been out since week 11 due to an ankle injury. Um, Looks like Rake Straw, I take that back. He's been out since week, week 12, so there's a, there's a chance that he may not be playing. Um, you know, head coach uh, Eli Drinkwitz, sounds like everybody else will be able to play, including Hopper, uh, but Rake Straw may be the guy that, that we miss, um, which which is disappointing. But Mizzou, that offensive line, I think Javon Foster, you know, he's, he's a guy, he's big, he's physical, um, he has adequate length, uh, you know, and the, the footwork... 
you know, he, he looks slow at times, but he still gets the job done. You know, and, and so it's not always pretty. Uh, I want to see what he can do against Moloau and Sawyer. If he can handle his, you know, himself there, I think he's going to move up draft boards. I think that could put him potentially into day two category, you know, with his ability to to block in the running game. Uh, Luther Burden the third, look, you know, special special talent there at the receiver position. Um, he'll be a top receiver in next year's draft class. But the guy we have to talk about is the Burlesworth award winner and the uh, Doak Walker award finalist and that's Cody Schrader started his career at at Truman State my dad's alma mater uh, eighth in the Heisman voting this past season 1499 yards that's 6.1 yards per carry 13 touchdowns also had 22 receptions on the year this is a guy who's just he's a one cut and go type of a dude and uh, you know, he's a physical runner between the tackles. He's a guy that uh, just runs through arm tackles. You know, the contact balance is evident, and he has deceptive speed. You know, I, I look at Schrader. You know, against this defense. Um, you know, I, I think Mizzou's actually favored to win right now. Uh, you know, the big question mark is going to be that, that that quarterback play. Uh, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. You know, when I look at Mizzou. And I look at the the, the tackles. You, you've got the you know there at Ohio State. You've got a lot of veteran leadership on the interior of that line, especially at the guard spots uh, with Donovan Jackson and uh, Matthew Jones. But at defensive end, Darius Robinson. This dude is a player. He's 6'5", 296 pounds. He is. He's physical. He's explosive coming off the of football. He's the guy that they like to line up uh, in a lot of different spots. 12 tackles for loss, seven and a half sacks. Uh, he's the guy that I think is going to present a lot of problems. This is a game to me that's been difficult for me to, to really call. I think you know, it really depends on who decides to play there at Ohio State. If everybody plays, then I, I think it's, it's really going to, it's going to be an interesting game. I think Mizzou has a chance to really showcase what they can do and really emerge as a, as a national power you know, in the SEC conference. If they can take down, uh, you know, Ohio State, I, I, I don't know that there are very many people that are giving them a chance to do that, but uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do, you know, if they can actually make that, make those plays. Um, Iowa State taking on Memphis in the Liberty Bowl. Uh, TJ Tampa is the guy for me that I'm looking at at Iowa, at Iowa State. Uh, 747 snaps on the year. Uh, TJ Tampa is a 6'2 corner. Um, he's physical. Um, he's a guy that likes to get up, get up on you. Um, you know, especially in press coverage. 19 pass breakups in his career. Nine and a half tackles for loss as well. Um, when I watch Tampa play, um, he's a guy that he's not afraid. He's he doesn't shy away from contact. He's a guy that's going to want to play around the line of scrimmage. Um, even if he gets beaten off the line, I love the recovery speed and then his ability to challenge at the catch point. Uh, T.J. Tampa. He, he's going to be the, the guy, you know, the, the question is, is, is he going to opt out? I think that's going to be a huge question mark. Uh, you know, Memphis are playing in their home stadium, so that's going to be something that's pretty cool. Uh, when you look at Memphis, I, I think the guy that uh, everyone should be talking about in that matchup is going to be uh, Blake Watson, the, the running back, right? Um, dynamic speedster. Um, you know, 6'2", 220 pounds, went over 1,000 yards this past season, um, 14 touchdowns, also 50 receptions as well. This guy's a versatile running back, and nobody's talking about him. Uh, 
and so you want to see what he can do there against Iowa State. Uh, so those are the two guys that I'm keeping an eye out for, for sure. Uh, then you've got Oregon State taking on Notre Dame in the Sun Bowl. I think if everybody was playing in this game, um, it would be very exciting. Uh, Damian Martinez uh, was suspended for the bowl game after being arrested on suspicion of DUI. Um, Joshua Gray, their left tackle, missed the regular season finale, so he may not be playing. Uh, Taliese Fuaga, the right uh, the right tackle, who I think is a, a first-rounder, you know, there's no question about it. He's opting out. DJ Uyangalole is has entered the transfer portal. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of key players on defense. Easton Mascarenas Arnold, Akili Arnold, the brothers transferring to USC. Uh, you know, Trent Bray, the the defensive coordinator, has been promoted to head coach with Jonathan Smith taking the uh, the offer at Michigan State. So a lot of turmoil there at, at Oregon State. Really, what are we going to see there? Who's who's actually going to be taking the field for for the Beavers? Now with Notre Dame, Sam Hartman is opting out, which I thought was kind of weird. Uh, he's a guy that is going to be a late day three pick if he gets drafted at all. He feels almost like uh, you know Brock Purdy going into the draft when Purdy was Mr. Irrelevant. You know, I just I don't know if Sam Hartman has enough arm strength to get himself drafted. Uh, you know, Audric Estime is also opting out. Estimate to me as a top five back in this year's draft, the physicality with which he plays, uh, the ability to get downhill in a hurry. Both Joe Alt and Blake Fisher also opting out. Joe Alt, that makes perfect sense. He's a guy that could be a top five pick. Blake Fisher, you know, up and down season, I thought. Um, he's a guy to me that, is he, a, is he a day two guy? Is he an early day three guy? You know, that's really a big question mark. Um, you know, I would have loved to have seen Mitchell Evans in this game, but you know, he tore his ACL in Week 9, so we're not going to get to see that. Uh, we do know that Howard Cross uh, is coming back for another year, so that's you know, obviously a question mark there with, with him. Um, so it's nice to see that he'll be back for one more season and be able to develop. Um, and then uh, Xavier Watts. You know, he's going to play in the bowl game. Is he going to come back for one more year? I think for his ability, you know, he's he's a converted receiver, and uh, you know, seven interceptions on the year puts himself in the right place at the right time to make the right play on the football. Um, I'd love to see him come back for one more year because I don't think he's going to be uh, a top three or four safety, which means you know he'll probably be a late day two pick. I think he's a guy that has the ability to potentially be the number one safety coming off the board in next year's draft. So, to me, I I, I, it, I think it would behoove him to come back for one more year. But uh, you know, look, a big game against uh, the Beavers here, you know, could sway him in another direction. This is another game that's tough to call just because so many guys have opted out or have entered the transfer portal. That uh, you know, your guess is as good as mine. I mean. You know, Notre Dame, you know, their, their offensive coordinator, Gerard Parker, uh, actually accepted the offer to be the head coach at Troy. So another, you know, another guy down there. So really going to be interesting to see how all of that plays out. When you look at Clemson, they're taking on Kentucky in the Gator Bowl. Who's opted out of this game? Well, Kentucky, you know, Ray Davis, you know, he's declared for the draft, but he is expected to play in the bowl game. I look at Ray Davis, what he's been able to do, you know, since moving to Kentucky from uh, from Vanderbilt. That's really been a huge, you know, a huge boost, I think, for anybody um, who's a, a, a Kentucky fan. And the physicality with which he runs, that's something that I'd love to see there going up against that Clemson defense. 
you know, we already know that Rook Aroro, uh, the defensive tackle, Jeremiah Trotter, is he a first rounder? Probably going to end up being a day two guy. Nate Wiggins has a chance to be the number one corner. They're all opting out. Is Tyler Davis going to play? Is it going to be Barrett Carter? You know, you're going to see some young guys likely playing and stepping up there for Clemson. Um, you know, is you know, Andrew Makuba enter the transfer portal? You know, I think the big question mark is going to be is Will Shipley going to play? You know, because you're going to have Clay Cub, a Clubnick who struggled at the quarterback position. Um, but if you can just hand the ball off to Will Shipley, get it, get the football to him, uh, fill him off of the physicality as well. Uh, look, you know, with with Kentucky where they struggle is you know really Dylan Leary. You know, Dylan Leary um, has had uh, really kind of an up and down year and uh, you know mostly down, um, which has really been surprising. Expecting him to have a much bigger year, um, you know, and really I think the same thing with with uh, with with Klubnik which quarterback come out and have a better game and really the running backs you know ray davis and and will shipley those are going to be guys that i think everyone's going to be watching for um another game that i think is going to be tough to call you know between the between the groups but uh, i think it's going to be a showcase of the of the the two running backs when when it's all said and done so on the 28th you got oklahoma taking on arizona that's in the Alamo Bowl. Uh, Tyler Guyton, the right tackle there at OU, um, converted tight end. Um, actually, I think he's also a defensive lineman as well at one point. But uh, he's opted out, as has the center, uh, Andrew Rame. And then, uh, to make matters worse, their guards, both Caden Green and Savion Bird, have opted out. So they're, they're real young up front. Running back-wise, Tommy Walker, Marcus Major, Dylan Smothers all enter the portal as well. So you're going to have basically Gavin Sawchuk. You're going to have uh, Jackson Arnold out there at quarterback. Um, so this is going to be a very thin team. Plus, you know, Seth Luttrell kicking in as, as the offensive coordinator. Um, I think ultimately what you're going to see is is, uh, is Nick Anderson, a heavy dose of him in the passing game, or at least you should. And then Drake, Drake Stoops. Watch out for Drake Stoops, Bob Stoops' son. Um, he's a guy to me that I think you know has a chance to get drafted, but a guy that you know he, he reminds me a lot of Hunter Renfro with the way he plays. Attacks the middle of the field, uh, you know, quicker than he is fast, but a, a sudden receiver, you know, about the same size. Uh, I, I think he has a good chance to get drafted, especially if he has a big bowl game there against Arizona. Uh, Danny Stutzman, Billy Bowman, both have announced that they're coming back to Norman. Uh, that's huge, I think, for both of them because. You know, frankly, I look at them, they weren't going to be day two guys. I think they've got to play themselves. I think I heard people saying Stutzman third round. I think he's a fourth rounder right now. I think Billy Bowman had a chance to be a, a you know a third round guy, probably more likely fourth or fifth round right now. So they come back, play one more year, especially in the SEC. Big years from them. Expect them to move up draft boards. Arizona. Left tackle Jordan Morgan opted out. Uh, frankly, this is going to be a team that you're going to enjoy watching the passing attack. You're going to get to see um, Noah Fafita, the freshman, you know, stepped in for Jaden Delora, who was an inter, you know, interception machine to start out the year. Fafita, a lot like Jaden Delora, except he doesn't throw the interceptions. He takes care of the football. Then you have Ted Earl and Mc, uh, McMillan on the outside, a, uh, a receiver who's going to be a top Five wide receiver next year's draft class. Mark my words with that. Um, Jacob Cowing, you know, is he going to play? I think he should. You know, let him showcase his talent one last time. I think he's a day two lock, uh, slot receiver, very sudden as a route runner, uh, veteran receiver. 
Um, you know, I think Arizona ends up getting it done against OU, although, um, you know, really the big question mark is going to be only because there are the question marks. What can Jaden, uh, I'm sorry, what can Jackson Arnold do there at the quarterback position? And can that offensive line hold up and block for him against a feisty Arizona defense? That's going to be a huge question mark for me, which is why I've got to go with Arizona at least right now. NC State and K-State, that's in the Pop-Tarts Bowl. Um, you know how I feel with, with Peyton Wilson. I talked about him in, in the last um, last podcast. I look at him, and he's a guy for me that um, has a chance to be a first-rounder if the medicals hold up. So I could easily see him opting out of this game. He hasn't announced anything yet. Um, but he's he's the guy if he plays that you have to watch for for sure. Um, opting out of the K State side, Philip Brooks, the receiver, I think you know, and, and Ben uh, Sinnott. I think a lot of that is largely due to the fact that Will Howard, the quarterback, um, is opting out, which means Avery Johnson is expected to start. Johnson's more of a runner. Uh, plus, they lose uh, Col- uh, Colin Klein, offensive coordinator at Texas Texas A&M now. So, you know, what's the question? You know. What's going to happen with Cooper Beebe? Is he going to opt out as well? You know, so you lose, this bowl game loses some of its luster with a lot of these different opt-outs. But if you get to watch Cooper Beebe, if he does get to play, he's a lot of fun. Uh, very physical at the point of attack. Has you know the athleticism to play tackle, but he's going to be a guard uh, and just a, a nasty dude. Uh, surprising athleticism to climb to the second level, but he's a dude that, that's going to want to maul you and beat you up. Pinstripe Bowl is Rutgers and Miami. Uh, Rutgers, Max Melton has opted out. He was the guy that I was looking forward to see him take on uh, some of those receivers there for Miami. Um, you know, with the Hurricanes, uh, Xavier Restrepo, um, Jacoby George is, is really the, the receiver that I'll be watching next year. Uh, the opt-outs for Miami, Leonard Taylor, Kim Kitchens, James Williams, really the, the focal points of that defense. So you lose those guys. Taylor, um, you know, fringe first rounder. You know, he's got the athleticism, um, but you know, he's battled some injuries. Uh, I think he'll be either a late first round, you know, early second round pick. Same with Cam Kitchens, uh, a do everything safety. He's my number two guy behind Cooper DeGene. And then James Williams, a big physical dude. He's going to come down, play around the, the line of scrimmage, you know, box safety. Uh, is he a you know divine Diablo type of guy? You know, I think there's a possibility there. Is he a day two, early day three? That's probably where where he he fits. Um, no, I think Miami still has enough talent to get the job done there against Rutgers. But keep an eye on on Kyle Monagai, the, the running back. He's coming back to Rutgers for another season. He's a guy though that uh, is going to be a lot of fun to watch and really be able to to see how he stacks up against uh, an ACC power like like Miami. SMU taking on BC. Um, when you look at SMU. Um, you know, looks like a pretty clean team for the most part outside of Preston Stone going down to injury. Their, their quarterback, uh, not really a whole lot of activity in the transfer portal or in terms of opt-outs, uh, which is a good thing, obviously, for the program. says a lot about uh, what Brett Lashley has going on there and what he's building program-wise. The biggest guy to watch is RJ Maryland, the tight end. He's only a sophomore, so not eligible for this year's draft. But the reason why I bring him up, uh, is you know the, 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 the talent is absolutely off the chart. 6'4", 233 pounds. He's a, a dynamic playmaker when you get the football in his hands. He's not the best blocker yet, um, so that's why I'm glad that he's got another year there at least for, for SMU. Um, 
But uh, look, you know, 34 catches, 518 yards, that's 15.2 yards for reception, seven touchdowns, excellent hands, good speed after the catch. Uh, he's a guy to watch for SMU. And then with BC, um, I, I, you know, they, they've got some transfers, but uh, the guy that I'm going to be watching is a guy that, you know, didn't get to play at all last year. A guy that I thought had a chance to potentially enter the draft early, and that is Christian Mahogany, the the right guard, uh, big number 73, uh, 6'3", 322 pounds. This guy's a physical physical player. Uh, there at uh, at the right guard spot, I think you're going to be seeing. You know, is he on the on par with the Lindstroms? No, probably not. He's kind of a step below that. But uh, again, you know, very physical at the point of attack. He's a guy to me that I think is going to be a day three pick, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth round. But I think he's going to stick with the NFL team for a long time. I think he does have starter potential. Which finally takes us to December 27th, which is the only other day that we have left in terms of our bowl games. You look at Texas A&M, uh, Aeneas, uh, uh, Anaya Smith has opted out, as has Edron Cooper, my number one linebacker. Uh, Lane Robinson, the guard. Um, day two potential, likely a, a, a day three pick. And then McKinley Jackson. A lot of people have him as a potential first rounder. I don't see it. I think he's a mid-day two guy uh, at best. Um, A&M, you know, they've got a lot of guys in the transfer portal from Max Johnson to Evan Stewart to Chase Basantis to, to Fidel Diggs on defense, Ty, Tyreek Chappell. Um, you know the safety Jardin uh, Gilbert. Um, so a lot of a lot of question marks here. You know you've got Mike Elko, who's going to be the the new head coach. Um, looks like uh, Elijah Robinson, who had been the interim head coach, he took the defensive coordinator job at Syracuse. But it sounds like he'll actually be the uh, interim head coach for this bowl game. I just think that there's a lot of turmoil right now with Texas A&M. So I. He, I really don't know what to expect in this bowl game. Um, I, I think Moose Muhammad uh, has a chance to showcase some of his talent there at the receiver position. Um, you know, Bryce Foster, the center, only a junior. He'll probably come back. I don't, you know, kind of an up and down year for him. Uh, Damani Richardson, the free safety, another guy to, to watch out for for sure. Uh, but not getting to see Edger and Cooper, a guy that you know I thought this year really emerged. Um, you know, you worry sometimes about guys that, that have those that one-year breakout seasons, but uh, you know, this is a guy that I think was building into what you know what he's become, and that's a guy that is an edge rusher as well as a guy that can make plays around the line of scrimmage. You know, very active, 84 tackles, 17 tackles for loss, eight sacks. Another guy who was a lot of fun to watch for me. Um, he he proved. Um, as a as a sophomore, they could also drop into coverage, have five pass breakups on the year. Um, so I think the versatility is absolutely there. Was he asked to drop into coverage a lot? No, um, but you know I think that's something that you know we'll definitely be keeping an eye on for sure. Oklahoma State, look, o- Oklahoma State, they they make their way to the Big Twelve Championship and they get throttled by Texas. Um, Ollie Gordon, the second, the Dope Walker Award winner. Um, could he opt out of the bowl game? I guess he could, but he's only a sophomore, so he's coming back. So that'd be kind of weird unless he's actually looking to transfer, and I don't think there's any indication that he is. You know, seventh in the Heisman voting. 
um, over 1,600 yards, 20 touchdowns to go along with 37 uh, receptions on the year. Very versatile running back. Um, Colin Oliver is the edge rusher, and you know I've seen that there's a chance that he may opt out. I just don't think that Colin Oliver has done enough to warrant that. You know, 6'2", 225 pounds. He really hasn't lived up to that freshman billing where he had 15 and a half tackles for loss, 10 and a half sacks, you know, in the next two seasons. Uh, you know, he really, you know, this past season finally hit the, the 15 and a half tackles for loss, but he's just you know, equal the sack total, you know, pretty much of, of his freshman year in the last two years, 11 sacks. Um, just hasn't really built on that, you know, showed off, showed off, you know, better ability, you know, getting his hands up into throwing lanes, five pass breakups, four forced fumbles. Um, so, you know, he's got that nose for the football. The 71 tackles, though, showing that he can be a lot more active. I still think he needs to come back to Oklahoma State for one more year. Um, I think Oklahoma State's going to end up pulling this one off. I think Texas, there's, you know, Texas A&M, there's still a lot of chaos, a lot of things going on there. I ultimately think that, uh, you know, we're going to see Oklahoma State pull out a shocker. Um, Louisville and USC in the Holiday Bowl in San Diego. This is a real odd game to to really figure out exactly what's going on here. Caleb Williams, you know, he opted out. Uh, Malachi Nelson entered the transfer portal, so you're going to see Miller Moss really get the start there. This defense, um, what can I say? Alex Grinch, you know, he, he's not there anymore. Um, you know, Danton Lynn is coming in from UCLA. This is a guy that's building you know, a, a tremendous defense for next year. I mean, you look at the coaching staff already with Matt Entz from uh, North Dakota State, uh, the head coach, two-time FCS champion, head coach, also a, a champion at the defensive coordinator position. Then you bring in Doug Belk to coach the DBs. He, his last stop was at Houston as a defensive coordinator. He's sent a lot of guys to the NFL as well. Uh, USC, uh, I think Jonah Monheim, the left tackle, really has to step up and have a big game. Um, he struggled with speed off the edge. I think he's proven that he has to kick inside to guard. I don't even think he can play right tackle. Uh, kick inside to guard. Uh, Taj Washington is a receiver. You know, Bright, uh, Brendan Rice gets a lot of the hype you know, because of all the touchdowns, but uh, he wasn't the most consistent receiver. A lot of drops from Brendan Rice, so really want to see uh, you know, what Taj Washington can do. He's been, like I said, the most consistent receiver for the Trojans. Um, his final season there, uh, Marshawn Lloyd also opted out. And uh, Marshawn Lloyd, you know, the quick feet, his ability to make plays both in the running game and the passing game, but the drops and the fumbles with him, I, I think would drive you nuts. Uh, you know, I, I thought Travis Dye, you know, he worked his way onto a practice squad. Um, I, I'm looking at Austin Jones and thinking there's a chance that he might be able to do the same thing. When I look at Louisville, though, Louisville, um, you know, Cameron Kelly, the safety, he's he's decided he's going to go ahead and play in this game. Um, but Jawar Jordan and Jamari Thrash, you know, the top wideout and receiver, I mean, and running back, they've both opted out. Jawar Jordan has the speed on the outside. That's really been what's exciting. Isaac Garendo is going to be taking over for him. Jamari Thrash, it, you know, the transfer from uh, Georgia State, playmaker on the outside, and... Uh, you know, fifth-year senior, he's getting ready for the draft. He's a guy that I think is a fringe second to third-round pick, but definitely a guy that I think can be exciting there. Um, he's opted out as well, so I'm looking at Ashton Gelati. Ashton Gelati's only a junior, 
Uh, this is the guy that I think could have, end up having a field day against Jonah Monheim and the rest of that offensive line. 6'2", 270 pounds, uh, 14 and a half tackles for loss this past season, 11 sacks, 22 in his career. Again, only a junior, so he can come back. Uh, plays with excellent leverage, gets underneath the offensive tackle's pad level, speed to power, although he does, you know, he can bend, can turn the end, turn the corner, get into the backfield, make plays. Um, I, I think he's the guy that uh, USC really needs to be worried about. Miller Moss, not nearly as mobile as Caleb Williams, so I think that could pose problems. I think Louisville wins this game going away, um, but I think the future is bright for USC, at least defensively, with Danton Land and company running that defense. Now, North Carolina taking on West Virginia in the, the Duke's Mayo Bowl. No Drake May, so Connor Harrell is stepping in. Um, Tez Walker, a guy that I think is going to be a day two pick. Um, Corey Gaynor, the, say, the center. Uh, Cedric Gray, the, line, the inside linebacker, who uh, is going to be a mid-day three pick, I think. Um, they've all opted out. Um, Kamari Morales, the tight end, is, has entered the transfer portal. So, you know, I'm sitting here looking at this game, at least on the UNC side, trying to figure out who's the guy that I want to watch. And I think it's probably going to be Bryson Nesbitt, the tight end. Um, you know, if he's even playing, you know, you know that's going to be a, a big question mark. He may actually even move to receiver for this game, um, just because of all the opt-outs and, and uh, transfer portal and everything. Six five, two thirty-five, uh, very athletic. You know, I think that's one of the things that jumps out. You're going to see him uh, that athleticism uh, on display. Came on Rucker, really started off strong as an edge rusher. Six one, two sixty-five, looked like a guy that would just fit in nicely as an edge rusher for uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Since that, you know, that early burst on the scene that er got everybody talking about him, um, kind of cooled off. You know, uh, 56 tackles, 14 going for loss, eight and a half sacks. So if we look at, uh, you know, his game logs in 2023, had the eight, uh, eight tackles, five and a half tackles for loss, two sacks against South Carolina. Um, had a couple of sacks against Pitt in game four, uh, two and a half sacks against Miami. And then after that, you know, in his final six games, just uh, two sacks. So, uh, you know, a guy that when you're looking for him to make big plays, you know, he it came in bunches, but a lot of times he would disappear as well. And, you know, Yes, teams were focusing in on number 25. That allowed number 23, Power Eccles, the middle linebacker, uh, to make some plays there at that linebacker position and also free things up for uh, Cedric Gray as well. Power Eccles is an interesting kid. You know, he's 5'11", 220 pounds. Um, will probably go back-to-back -back seasons with, with uh, 100 tackles. Uh, very active player, only a junior. He'll come back. Uh, but I think with Kayvon, uh, Kayvon Rucker, um, you know, he'll still get drafted as a situational edge rusher, but just the fact that he disappears, that's going to be a big concern, I think, more than anything else. When I look at West Virginia, the guy really to watch out for there is going to be the, the center, Zach, uh, Zach Frazier. You know, if, if there's anything that you really you know, should be watching in this game, um, especially if he gets to go up against uh, Miles Murphy. Miles Murphy's already announced that he's entering the draft, but he's going to be playing in the game. Uh, keep an eye there. Um, you know, it sounds like there's a chance that you know Zach Frazier may not be playing, but if he does play, that's going to be the matchup to watch there on the, on the interior of that. Um, 
that offensive line. And then uh, C.J. Donaldson, the running back, you know, only a sophomore, but a physical presence. You know, he's a guy that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And then Beanie Bishop, the, the corner, he's 5'10", 184 pounds, um, transferred in from, from Western Kentucky. And ball skills, yes. But can the guy finish? Absolutely not. Uh, so many drops. I think they, they give him a hard time for all the drops that we've seen there from him at West Virginia. But look, you know, you can't argue with the fact that he has 20 pass breakups and four interceptions. It's just he should have so many more interceptions because he's always around the football. He's a guy that I, I think uh, Connor Harrell is going to have to watch out for. He's going to probably get a lot of chances to make some plays on the football. Big thing is, is, is he going to be able to actually hold on to the football and, and make a play there for the Mountaineers? I think the Mountaineers have a chance in this game. You know, I think just because all the guys that are sitting out there at, at North Carolina, the way that offensive line has played this year, I think they've got a shot. Uh, then the Military Bowl, Tulane taking on Virginia Tech. Uh, when I look at this game, you know, Tulane, uh, Michael Pratt is preparing for the NFL, which means you know, and, and with Kai Horton, their, their quarterback also entering the portal, you know, the it's going to be a big question mark. I think Justin Ibieta, I think 39 career pass attempts, he's going to be the guy that's going to be throwing the football. That's going to be a huge concern on the offensive side of the ball for Tulane. Um, so the, the the guy that I really want to focus on is, is Patrick Jenkins. Big number zero on the on the interior of that line. This is a guy that I think is going to get himself drafted. Um, again, undersized. You know, I think he's six foot, two hundred eighty-six pounds, um, but eleven and a half tackles for loss, five and a half sacks uh, on the year. Um, he's explosive uh, with you know the quick first step. He's a guy that's going to look to shoot. You know, uh, as a five technique. He's just undersized, and so that's why I think he'll be a late day three pick. I think he does get drafted. I think he will end up making a roster, and I think he'll be a better pro than people really are giving him credit for right now. I don't think he's on a lot of radars um, as a guy that um, is going to get taken very high, you know, but I think he's a guy that, again, is going to get drafted uh, late and a guy that uh, you know is is probably going to make some plays you know, at, at the next level. Uh, and then the corners, both Jarius Monroe, you know, 6'2", 205, Lance Robinson, 5'11", 180. Uh, they both transferred in to Tulane. Their career started elsewhere. Monroe at, at Nickel State and uh, Robinson at K-State. Those are two guys. And then Cam Pettisclaw, the, the anchor back, if you will, on the back end of the defense, came in from, from Louisiana. Those three guys, all seniors, all veterans on the back end, those will be guys to watch there uh, going up against Va Tech. Uh, linebacker Tyler Grubbs is an interesting guy. Transferred in from Louisiana Tech, 6'2", 230. He's a guy to watch out for for next year's draft. Um, and then when you look at Virginia Tech, uh, you know, Ollie Jennings, I would have loved to see what he could do, what he did at Old Dominion. Uh, would have loved to have seen that, but the se season-ending injury in week one, we really haven't gotten to see um, much of what he was going to be able to do there. So I'll be curious to see if he gets a, a medical red shirt and uh, can come back to Vatech next year. Uh, when I look at Virginia, Virginia Tech, I think offensively, um, you know, Jalen Lane um, brings that athleticism, 5'10", 192 pounds, uh, the transfer from Middle Tennessee. Um, but, you know, the running back, only a junior, transferred in from uh, North Carolina A&T, uh, He's 5'11", 205, and uh, one of the best running backs that people haven't really been talking about. You know, he was the transfer, came in there, the Hokies struggled, 
Um, you know, seven, 727 yards on the ground, eight touchdowns, 25 receptions as well. Um, you know, it took him a little bit to kind of get, be the focal point of that that uh, that offense, but he's a guy to watch out for uh, as we continue to progress. Uh, you know, Jalen Lane's a guy that you know I, I want to see him have a big game in this uh, in this bowl game, just kind of as a, as a showcase to potentially get himself drafted. I think he's a guy that can be explosive on the outside. Will he get drafted? Uh, I think he'll probably be a, a priority free agent, but he's a guy that I think needs to showcase that. You know, Vatek has a great chance, especially because I, I have no clue who's going to be the quarterback there at Tulane. And then on top of that, with Willie Fritz um, taking the higher the the, the, the higher there at uh, at Houston, you know, Slade Nagel, offensive coordinator. Um, looks like he's going to be interval, uh, or I'm sorry, the interim coach before he actually leaves uh, Tulane to move with Fritz to Houston. Uh, a lot of turmoil there, so I think you know when you look at at Virginia Tech, you look at what Brent Pry has had, uh, what he's been doing there, and building the program up. I think there's a chance that a lot of those young guys you know, are going to be hungry for that program, and I think there's a good chance. You know, Chiron Drones, you know, he's he's a big, big quarterback at 6'2", 234 pounds, transferred in from Baylor. Um, I think Virginia Tech has a great chance to come away with the win. Look, they're they're six and six, but five and three in conference. You know, slow start to the season. You know, this would be a nice way to really cap things off for the Hokies. So we've covered all the bowls. Everything but the national championship, and really we'll have time after bowl season to talk about that before we get into that championship. So I think it's actually 40 bowls that we've covered over the last two podcasts. A lot of guys to still keep an eye on in this bowl season, even with all the opt-outs and the transfer portal and, and everything else, you know, injuries and such. Um, but uh, you know, I, I think it's still going to be a fun season. I think it's going to be, you know, the, when you look at the college football playoff, you look at those four teams that are in there, um, I, I think you're going to have some really dynamic games, some interesting matchups to say the least. Um, I do think that it's going to be Michigan and Washington when it's all said and done. Um, you know, I think some of the other intriguing matchups, you know, again, Ohio State taking on Missouri. I think that's going to be really a lot of fun. Um, you know, Brady Cook, can he put together a consistent game? Uh, Georgia taking on Florida State, um, you know, without Jared Verse, uh, Georgia, who's going to be playing in that game? Um, you know, I, I think Georgia could end up running away with that one. You know, and if that happens, then you know there are going to be a lot of naysayers looking at uh, Florida State saying, "We'll see. I told you so." Uh, Mississippi and Penn State, I think, will be a, a very fun game to watch as well. Even with a couple of opt-outs there, I think that'll be a fun game. Uh, Arizona and OU, really getting to see the next generation there for. Uh, Brent Venables um, and, and the Sooners. Uh, it's going to be the Jackson Arnold show, so you know, tune in and kind of see what that's going to look like. Um, and then Oregon, kind of the swan song for Bo Nix. It's going to be start number 61 for him. Um, so get to see Bo Nix one last time in an Oregon uniform. So even though he didn't make it into the playoff, we'll get to still get to see him in, in the bowl game. And then you know, if I had, you know, I haven't really gotten to break anything down just yet with Michigan and Washington. I, I think this Washington team is pretty sound defensively. I look at the offense; they're balanced on the offensive side of the football. I think they can hang with Michigan. I think their defense has enough uh, 
to make them one dimensional and you know really you know the, I know the physicality with that running game but I think there's enough there up front for Washington and the way that those linebackers play the way that uh, you know uh, Tuli Latuli Nasanoa and, and company up front they've got a lot of physical big physical dudes up front that uh, you know I think can hang with Michigan I think there's a great chance that Washington gets it done against uh, against Michigan. Now, granted, I say that, and Michigan can just sit there, ball control, let Blake Corum uh, go crazy. Um, I just I don't think J.J. McCarthy wins it for you. I think that's going to be the thing, too, is, is can Michigan stop Michael Penix Jr.? I think they're going to want to run the ball, and I think that Washington has enough on that side of the football to shut down. Well, I shouldn't say shut down the run, but they have enough to force Michigan to beat him with the pass. And I just don't know that there's going to be enough there uh, that Michigan will be able to match what Washington brings to the table throwing the football. So I think it'll be interesting. We'll see how everything plays out on January 1st, and then we'll get a chance to talk about the bowl and uh, really some of the different matchups. We'll know at that point who's going head-to-head and then what matchups to watch out for you know, really as we start ending the season and really getting into the pre-draft process. And what's that last set of matchups? What does that mean for the NFL draft? So until next time, everyone, this has been the Ready for the Draft podcast. I've been your host, Greg Schutz. Enjoy the bowl season. Happy holidays. We'll talk soon. And until next time, I am out of here.